Hello, my name's Ollie, and a few months ago I decided to make a go of becoming a comedian because I was tired of either being rubbish or just okay at everything else. I wanted to take the chance while I still could. So I made up a bunch of characters and started up this podcast. And now I'm taking the characters to open mics too. I'm going full steam ahead with the second series. So if you want to listen to something a little bit different, stick around to hear some bizarre tales from big personalities. Welcome to Ollie's World. Time for bereavement is over. The time to teach the next generation of Gehidulkin practitioners is upon us. The best way to honor my late master, the legendary Yusei Aisei, is to pass on the art, the beauty, the grace that he imparted to me in the form of Gehidulkin, the perfect melding of mind, body, and creative flowusion. And since I was his only remaining pupil, all the others had quit the path, desecrating the way of fisting by spewing vile diatribes about how dangerous it is and how unsafe it was to train unpracticed students in its ways. Dangerous? In their callous hands, perhaps. But Master Yusei and I have never heard a soul in our sparring sessions. There's nothing wrong with the style. And the whole reason people who have never done martial arts come to train is to learn Gidokin. What a load of baloney my former peers spouted. Ugh, so disrespectful to the memory of my master. But I shan't dwell on it. Instead, I must tell you about how our first training session went. Now that I've reopened the dojo under the banner of Dan First's first and only school of Gidokin practitionment. Catchy name, huh? We got a great turnout. Lots of people of all ages, parents, young people, normal people, all keen to unlock their entrance into the way of fisting. I wanted to start us all off on the right foot, so I kindly reminded everyone that each session was 20 pounds, no exceptions or concessions, because a martial opponent doesn't care who you are or what your financial situation is if he's in a duel to the death with you. And I also reminded them that rookie trainees have to clean the dojo after the session. It's a mark of respect to your seniors. And I don't care if you have to catch the train back to Pearly, Susan. You're cleaning the dojo. So once these very simple ground rules were understood by my pupils, and I'd had them all do 30 shuttle runs to the end of the dojo and back, I felt it was time to introduce the class to some very basic Gidokin techniques. So I got one of the teenagers, still huffing and puffing away from the shuttle runs, to serve as my test dummy, uh, training partner, to help me show off a little maneuver that Master called the Tatsu Kalimori! Or was that the Tetsu Kalimba? I sort of... no, 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 I... no, I remember clear as day. It was the Tetsu Kalimba! The very first Gidokin move Master ever taught me. How could I ever forget such a momentous occasion in my life? So I got to show off the uh, Tatsu, uh, um, uh, the move, 
just slightly, taking this kid through the stages of executing the move, all's going well, when, unfortunately, one of the class members makes a sudden move. And I think to myself in my lightning-quick brain, is this guy gonna pull a blade on me? Am I going to have to defend myself here and now? So then and there, as I had this kid midway through the throw, my warrior spirit kicked in and I screamed out, TETSU KALIMBA! And full force dumped this kid to the mat head first. I was as shocked as everyone else was, but instinctively leapt towards this potentially armed assailant to take him down before he could disrupt the class. As my guided fist flew towards his face, I saw that he hadn't pulled a knife, or Cali stick, or any other weapon. He was just picking his nose. It was too late to pull back my frenzied fist though. Blood and snot flew everywhere. The kid I threw down had pissed himself. The dojo was an absolute mess. Okay guys, that's the end of the session. I shouted to the trainees, fussing and asking for refunds. And remember, newbies clean the dojo. And you know what? When I returned the next day, the dojo was spotless. I guess despite what some might call a problematic training session, I managed to get some true disciples onto the path. Welcome to the way of fisting. The world is ever-changing. We're constantly striving to adapt to new challenges and overcome new adversities. Every single member of the human race is hoping for a future they can be proud of. But in order to create a dream for tomorrow, we need to respect the present. That's why at Curtis Oil, we're constantly innovating. Inventing new solutions to meet modern issues and overcome them on our journey to better. A better vision, a better planet, a better way of doing business. And when I, Jonathan Curtis, founder of Curtis Enterprises, look for new leaders, new pioneers, new trailblazers, with the bravery to envisage and execute new strategies for my subsidiaries, I want to see young minds who are forward-thinking conscientious and have displayed the capacity to actualize better. I am so proud of my daughter for all of her tireless activism and efforts to create better for all of us. That's why I'm honored to announce that Curtis Oil's new brand ambassador is Savannah Curtis. I, Savannah Curtis, am declaring a climate emergency. That's how I opened my speech at the Curtis Oil press conference regarding how the company will go about tackling the myriad of environmental crises we are facing in 2020. 
after all my fearless, inspiring speeches at various environmental conferences in the last couple of months? Jonathan Curtis, yes, the Jonathan Curtis, who yes, happens to be my father, but that's really not important when the planet's future is on the line, asked me to serve Curtis Oil as their new brand ambassador tasked with ensuring that the company will meet the demands of our climate crisis and not spill any oil into the Gulf of Mexico. Not that that was us, of course. They never found out who actually did that. And you don't have any proof on hand, do you? Certainly none that could hold up in a court of law. You don't, do you? <laughs> oh, diddums. Why don't you put your placard down and listen up? because becoming the brand ambassador for such a major market player is such an exciting opportunity for me and my career. To my many fans from the Guardian social media channels, don't worry, I'm not going anywhere and will continue my indispensable duties as senior video pioneer and all-round social heroine. But I'm well within my right to explore opportunities that don't inhibit my integrity as an award-winning journalist. And I believe that representing the petroleum industry subsidiary of my father's mega corporation falls well within that remit. So don't at me and be happy that one of your Twitter faves is achieving her goals and taking steps in her career. So, my first port of call as brand ambassador was to call a press conference to discuss the sweeping changes Curtis Oil will pledge to achieving to become carbon neutral within the next 10 years under the trendable, memeable, hashtagable banner of hashtag neutered by 30. I flew out on the jet to the Big Apple itself, New York City, where the Curtis Oil offices are based. We directed this massive stage in the middle of Times Square for maximum social reach and engagement, made up a load of banners, especially for the occasion. The whole stage was covered in these tarp-like banners with the Curtis Oil logo and hashtag neutered by 30 on them. I've no idea what happened to them afterwards, but they looked amazing on the day. That red and orange Curtis sun sitting resplendent like a medieval house's coat of arms and me as the great warrior sitting beneath it, ready to ride into battle. My shield, the righteousness of my cause. My sword, <laughs> my sheer talent of course, and ability to speak, to command the lessers, to change the world and save the planet. That is the power of Savannah. But just like in Game of Thrones, the battles fought with physical blows are not as important as those fought behind the scenes, with a dagger-sharp tongue in your enemies, or friends, or families back. I know this very well, and I know how to play this game. And most of all, I know that there is absolutely no chance Curtis Oil achieves its hashtag neutered by 30 goals. Not under its current leadership, that is. So, loads of big moves have been shaking out since I last belayed my mind on this beautiful broadcast. 
That feels like another lifetime ago now. Another Connor. So desperate, lonely and unfulfilled. But it all turned upside down on New Year's night when yours truly went down ministry for a revelous rave with a girl. And not just any girl, but an aesthetic enigma, a spontaneous supernova, with the poetic soul of an expressionist painter from a future will never realise. Her name's Anastasia Bell, and she's my girlfriend. That's right, Anastasia Bell of Creative Clique, London's most conceptive, provocational arts collective. To say I'm a lucky man is the understatement of the young millennium. For our cultured souls to intertwine as a piece of inspired serendipity that I'd like to thank a higher power for eternally, if only one existed, that is. The only higher power I recognise is 90s Eurofunk. Anastasia and I have been going steady for about a month now. She appreciates my tender nature, wavy vibes, and of course, my passion for print media that's manifesting itself in my mag. That's what swung it for me, I reckon. At the New Year's Eve prees she invited me to, she was keen to hear all about Street Mag and my big plans for the project. She thought the way I talked about it was funny and charming. Her words, not mine. I'd never brag like that. And she kept laughing whenever I said the word mag. I didn't really understand why. I asked her why it was so amusing, and she said that she'd heard of a zine, but never a mag. To which I retorted, I'd never thought of anything else to call it other than street mag. And all she could repost to that in our verbal fencing contest was to push her hair back in that ever so cute way of hers, say, I like that, and go and plant a cherry red kiss on these loquacious lips of mine. Kissing Anastasia Bell is like kissing a Tashismi dream. Postmodernism rushes through my veins the moment our lips begin to intermingle in magisterial mesmeroso. She is like an idol of the Virgin Mary, 
sitting upon a working class windowsill in Queens, New York. Astonishingly, indescribably beautiful, yet humble, gracious, up for a laugh. And her art will be the future of British subculture. There's no doubt about that. She paints lucid dreams of London, scapes straight out of a forgotten scrapbook, documenting directionless demoiselles as they sizzle through the streets of Dalston. Her brush is her very own hair. McFly sang of that girl with the five colours in her hair. Well, Anastasia has a full spectrum in hers. And she uses each pigment as paint on her colourful canvases. And to top it all off with a pinch of devastating subversion, she places daring slogans over the top of her painting. Bold phrases like sexism equals bad but really stick it to the corporate suits who want to put our creative minds into their tiny little grey boxes. And of course she types out the phrases in Helvetica font. So bold, so edgy. I could go on all day about Anastasia, but the truth is I gotta dash off and hit the concrete of the street under my feet, because Creative Clique's next artistic jamming session is tonight, and Anastasia says that I can pitch street mag to the group and see if we can get it off the ground. Exciting times. I just really hope they don't want me to change it that much. It's my mag after all. At the end of The Spy Who Loved Me, after Roger Moore quips the best line in film history, and the curtain quite literally comes down, the credits announce that James Bond will return in For Your Eyes Only. And at the end of the last series, I said that Ollie's World would return in For Your Eyes Ollie. So, here we are. After that stupid joke, I have to come up with a monologue about Moonraker. Those are the rules. After Star Wars conquered the world in 77, Eon decided that Bond had to go into space. So For Your Eyes Only got put to one side, and production began in earnest on the stupidest, wackiest, cash-grabbiest Bond ever. Up to that point anyway, I mean, Die Another Day exists. Jaws gets a girlfriend? Sounds great. Zappy laser fight? Chuck it in, mate. Pigeon doing a double take and mugging for the camera like it's in the office? Hey, we've gone this far. Might as well. And you know what? <laughs> it worked! 
It's still stupid, it's still a cash grab, but it's great entertainment. Sunday afternoon, turn your brain off fun, with loads more memorable moments than, say, Spectre, or some reality show, or your own mundane existence. So basically what I'm trying to say is, if you work on a long-running film franchise that suddenly changes its genre and tone because some other film made loads of money, roll with it. Make it as crazy and outlandish as possible. Because even if it isn't good, at least it'll be memorable. Welcome back to Wally's World.